So, how how are we? How are we doing? What's uh, what's up? Something something's up in every heart. Huh? Something something's happening. There's some formations, some texture in there. You know, whether the words pr- prickly or spacious or you know, moelleux, whether it's smooth or rick rick rickety rickety. There's so many uh, texture to the human uh, experience. And so, here's one. And, uh, and how are we meeting it? The practice, in a way, it's, uh, is that simple. And we kind of don't get to choose exactly. Huh? Who expected the snow here? Today. Were, were we all in denial <laughs> last November <laughs> in, the, in the mountain? <laughs> but uh, um, that's I, that's kind of the one of the things that appears for me today is uh, where is it now? There was a few, just a few seconds when I pressed the button here. There was a, a spider that was there. Like, I didn't expect the spider to be walking around the bowl here. <laughs> you know? I didn't expect the snow. And in meeting people, you know, I, you know, you might have an idea or no idea, or so, but something happens you know, so the, in the sharings there. People share things, and often it's not what I would have expected, or maybe it's not uh, like this, I, not that I expected something, but there's something that appears anyway that is uh, kind of surprising, this own, own version, own unique version of practice of life at this point. And um, I think a lot of the practice is to, um, to allow that to happen allow the different uh, versions of life to uh, to happen and see how we can uh, meet them uh, it's very liberating to to be aware that our expectations our projections our uh, thoughts about something are just that that's maybe like one of the main uh, uh, element of uh, freedom, of liberation, of awakening, is to recognize uh, a thing uh, for exactly what it is, a projection for a projection, a thought for a thought. The Buddha was talking about this mirage. It's an image he used a lot, how things appear. talked about um, bubbles, you know, how perceptions are like, uh, or is it perception? Anyway, one of the elements of mind is like a a bubble. It seems so existent, so we're in that bubble, and then it bursts. The the way we were perceiving things, the way things appeared, gone. Uh, 
And sometimes it's a little bit more kind of, um, what's the word, more, um, there's more, um, almost like, um, it's more either complex or more um, elaborated than a bubble, you know. And an image he uses is uh, the banana tree trunk. And the story uh, from the Buddha is, he says, imagine somebody wants a hardwood and goes to build something solid, goes in the woods and look around for a really good solid wood and finds a banana tree and thinks, oh my God, with these big leaves and these big flowers and fruits, I'm going to get really good wood there. So start chopping the banana tree to find nothing in it, no hardwood in there, empty, the empty nature of the banana tree. And so here I think we're exposed to that a lot. You know, the banana tree, big production, falls on the ground, composted. You know, there was nothing essential, nothing hard in there. It was a, an appearance, something appeared. Uh, and so here we, uh, we hear these... Uh, stories being described of, uh, in, in practice here in the weekend, you know, suddenly, you know, I don't know why, I have to go home, you know, it's big banana production, you know, it's so <laughs> important right now, it's essential, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, and we can't see, we can't, it's not possible for us at this moment to see the empty nature of this arising, you know, we, we think it is hardwood, or, you know, whatever construction it is, my other practice is so much better, you know. And so this banana tree now, you know, and I buy into it, you know. Um, And so all these arisings uh, that pass, and here we're trying to wake up to this, that's not easy, to wake up to this, not to, in order to become cynical, you know, like, ha, just another empty arising, no. To, to become tender, that's that's the outcome of uh, of that practice. Oh, look at that, human beings, all these ideas. It should have last. It should finish now. You know, wh- whatever it is and is about. You know. So personally, I really, really, really love this form for this. There's, a, there's something in the form, you know, sit, walk, sit, walk. It's kind of, a, it becomes like a, a white screen, you know. And on it, everything is projected. You know, I don't like that form. I, you know, the desires, the aversion, the, the beauty appears in the form. Everything appears in that simple form of sitting, walking, sitting, walking. Extremely simple. <coughs> and in there, all our psyche is uh, revealed. And we learn how to uh, allow the psyche to become a, you know, a storm with care. That deep wisdom of knowing that, oh, this is banana tree trunk, you know. It's gripping me at the guts, you know. So incredibly important and essential and 
And maybe if we stay uh, attentive long enough, we'll see it transform into something, you know. I don't know, even with the, the snow here, I don't know what you went through. You know. Oh, I don't have my tires, you know. Something like this, like drama, and then beauty, you know. And then bored, <laughs> or wet, you know. Oh, I have to go out now, I can't do this sitting, you know, there's the snow, I have to be in the snow, and I'm like, okay, I'm all wet now. <laughs> you know? These appearances, appearances. And I, again, I'm not suggesting we should be cynical, but just <coughs> uh, there's a possibility of freedom in there, the, the caring heart you know, that laughs at the production, the banana production, and that is tender towards it. And so, uh, earlier, at, uh, just before lunchtime, we were doing a little exploration of thoughts. Thoughts uh, as a phenomena that is uh, knowable, that we can be mindful of, is extremely important. Otherwise, we, uh, we um, adhere, uh, adhesion, we, we, we really uh, buy into any formation, you know, and the freedom to actually be aware of a formation. Something is forming. I don't have to fight against it. No, it's not true. I'm worth something. No, you're worth nothing. No, I don't want that thought, you know. No, it's an empty arising, empty phenomena rolling on. That's an expression I've heard a lot over the years. Empty phenomena rolling on. Look at that. Life takes that form, you know, of distress of loss, of gain, of it works, it doesn't work. And uh, how can I develop steadiness in all these arising, like steady caring, so that I don't have to follow every, every, everything, you know. An image that the Buddha used, that you might be familiar with, because all these I carry with me uh, all around, but not only I, they could, you know, there's 2,600 years of people sharing these, uh, these images. But uh, I like that one of uh, the, the six different animals tied to the same, along the same uh, rope. Uh, so the elephant, I'm going to come then this time. The elephant is there tied to the rope, the snake is there, the, the dog is there, the eagle is there tied to the rope a little further along, and, um, and um, hyena is tied to the rope, and, uh, and somebody's trying to escape. <laughs> no, I'm trying to hear. Oh, yeah, do you want to? Well. Yeah, organize yourself, because it might be long. <laughs> <laughs> so the hyena and maybe we have the six there and they're all tied to the, the rope so imagine in this room if they were all these animals they would like the hyena wants to go to the um, channel ground and the elephant in the jungle and this uh, eagle to the sky the dog to the city and they all are pulling and pushing in all ways this is a description on our, of our minds and senses you know 
and uh, and they're all tied together, so it's a mess, you know. And so the Buddha used this uh, this example, and he said, and then we bring the post of wakefulness or mindfulness or heartfulness, and and we cut the ropes like this, and we put the post, and now we learn to attend to these animals one by one, you know, and not follow them in all direction, you know, the system all pushing this way and this way, we learn to discover, ah, oh, look at that, here's this animal and how to take care of it. So here that's what we do. We learn to stay close to the animal instead of just following it where it goes. You know, so we notice, oh, pleasure, pleasure, oh, discomfort, discomfort. And, you know, discomfort doesn't mean, okay, now we have to go because it's uncomfortable, you know. Or, you know, I want more of this because it's good. It's, oh, this is an experience. Let me get to know that experience. And so that's what we're uh, invited to do here. In order to, in life, to not um, act on uh, compulsion, obsession, uh, but to act on care, you know, on, uh, on, uh, <coughs> on care, on... Um, consideration and uh, an integrity uh. so all these um, the, these images um, And it takes a lot of uh, courage to do this, and uh, and the clarity we gain and the confidence we gain is, grows only uh, slowly. Um. <coughs> and we have so many addictions. We're addicted to the thoughts, we're valued, you know, a lot our thinking mind, so we rely on it a lot, we count on it to solve problems, to explain, to, to, to even to feel. You know, we're sitting here, like, can you feel your breath? And can you feel, and we just describe, you know, it's narrating, you know, <laughs> like, like this is going to help us feel something, you know. It's, uh, so we... We have a lot of s- skills to, to gain, I think, learning to uh, to appease the thinking mind, you know, and thank it for its suggestions, you know, and dive in a little uh, deeper in the heart, in the belly, in the in the sen- you know in the in the body, in the, f- the, the sensitive body there. Another uh, image, the story or image that comes to mind that you might have heard, I think it describes so well what we're doing. So, this being Rohitasa comes to the Buddha, uh, and uh, it's a very uh, kind of a quick, smart 
but I don't know what other words in English are there, but being, you know, like really quick, sharp mind, and says to the Buddha, um, is it possible uh, by walking to reach the end of the world? So that's the question Rohitasa has for the Buddha. I want to know one thing. Is it possible by walking to reach the end of the world? And the Buddha says to Rohitasa, no, Rohitasa, it's not possible. And Rohitasa said, wow, you're amazing, you know that, I've tried, you know, I've walked and walked and walked, and, you know, and, and I've never reached the end of the world, but I, you know, I was wondering if, you know, and the Buddha says, no, you cannot uh, reach the end of the world by walking, but there's something else that I say, Rohitasa. I also say, you cannot reach the end of suffering without reaching the end of the world. And Rohitasa, the world, the creation of the world, the end of the world, and the way to the end of the world is in here, in this fathom-long body, is the world, its creation, the end, and the way to the end of the world. The Buddha left Rohitasa with that. I love that. You cannot come to the end of suffering without reaching the end of the world. And the world is created in here, in this fathom-long body with its perceptions. And so what do we do here? We take on maybe where Rohitasa left, you know, and we come and we sit here, and we notice the birth of worlds. You know the births of stories, of identities. It's born here. So we see the birth of the world, we see the end of the world, we see it collapse. And uh, we see the way to the end of the world. So we, it's all in here. So we sit here and we discover how self is created. You know, Sudden, you know maybe there's just sitting here, breathing, and suddenly there's a want want to be back home. I want to be back home. I is created. The I that is at the wrong place. There's a creation. Rohitasa, you cannot reach the end of suffering without reaching the end of the world. Sit here and watch the world arise and die. That's how you'll free your mind from suffering. So that's that's what we do here. We sit and we notice how the self that got it gets created for a few moments. Or the self that will never get it. The self that has worth or no worth gets momentarily created. You know, future gets created in here. And although we would all agree to say that we don't know what the future will bring, that doesn't matter. We believe in it when it, sh- when it arises as a thought. This is the rest of my life. And we even can see, maybe, if we're attentive enough, how the past gets created here. You know, depending on the mood. 
I'm in a good mood, a hopeful mood, a confident mood. Things have worked out for me up to now. You know, people have been good. Bad mood, grumpy mood, desperate mood, n nothing has ever worked for me. You know, even worlds of past are created in here, they appear suddenly. You know, and if you sit long enough, you know, you'll see that in, you know, I don't know, in 1897, that part of my life appeared in this way, seen this way, and now, I don't know, 15, 20 years later at the practice, suddenly the same bit of history appears, but it's seen with tenderness, with care for the, for self, for the other. The other was so confused. So was I, you know. Suddenly it's a different, it's the same maybe protagonists, characters, but they're seen very different. It's a different view. So a world is created. And so what I'm talking about here is ephemerality, the momentary uh, productions, generations of the, the circumstances, and how to allow this. So we sit here and the heart is broken. So we're not cynical, we're not dismissive, we're caring. We're caring about that formation. It's a momentary formation. Although you might think, yeah, but it's been two months. Or it's been a year and a half now. You know, or we pay attention. And by the quality of our, uh, of our awareness, time will do its work, but also the quality of our of the contact. Uh, <coughs> it will alter, you know. The same thing will go from unbearable, same exact thing, to so touching, you know. I remember uh, not too long ago, a few months ago, after a couple of days like this, there's a, a woman who was describing, um, she was saying, oh Pascal, the first day was so painful, so physically painful, I couldn't <coughs> believe how painful it was. And I kept doing the sitting and the walking and the body was in pain and you know, there was of course reactivity and all this, but I kept doing the thing. And uh, she said the second day was equally painful. <laughs> and she said then there was, I think it was the last sit at night. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, she said there was a sit suddenly. I was like, I cannot go back in there. I cannot go back in there. It's going to be so painful to be sitting on that chair. It's going to be unbearable. And she said, you know, feeling social pressure or you know, some kind of conditioning, maybe good student conditioning or good girl conditioning, or I don't know what was at play in that mind, you know, but uh, this person, uh, she came back to the, to the sit, and she said, I was sitting there, and there was this pain, this pain, and she said, and th I often hear actually it being described in this way, which I find it makes sense, that, uh, it, it's, but it's a particular way that I, f I find beautiful. And uh, so the person will say, like this person said in this case, they say, 
I don't know why I want to tell you because it's very ordinary. There's nothing to say about it, but I really want to tell you, which is interesting. There, you know, there's so there's something there because the person, if they mention only one thing about the retreat, it's that thing, which, by the way, is extremely ordinary. But I really want to tell you, and so I'm really interested. So what happened? So I was sitting there. There was this kind of body of pain, and there was a little switch. Suddenly, it went from my pain to pain. It was not. There was this little bubble popped, you know, where this little mirage dissipated, and some another view appeared. And she said there was no difference in the actual experience of the body. But in that moment, it was pain, and it was care. And then the bell rang, everybody left, and I couldn't move. It was so strangely beautiful, and there was just pain. But it was not perceived as mine anymore, it was the pain. And I thought it was such a beautiful expression of awakening, maybe momentary awakening, but an awakening to, uh, you know, the Buddha said that, you know, that there can be freedom from birth, disease, pain, uh, death, and of course they're going to happen, but there's going to be freedom from them, and that was an expression of this. There was pain, but the view the understanding was different. The prior understanding was entangling. This new vision that you can't will, okay, not my pain, pain. <laughs> Try it, doesn't work, Pascal. <laughs> I tried the woman's trick. <laughs> you know? That's what we call insight. And insight, deep understanding, or letting go, if you want to call it like this, uh, happens from quality contact with reality. So this person, the unfolding was set. She was present, showing up, showing up humbly, not demanding anything, just showing up, showing up. At some point it took courage to come back to the room, you know. And the quality, the you know, how did I cross the flood? Not abandoning, she didn't. Not forcing, she did, didn't. And she just applied attention, applied attention, and at some point, the vision changed. And now, she was not in hindrances, she's moved from the hindrances to the beautiful factors of mind. She was not resisting, kind of, uh, even consciously or unconsciously thinking it shouldn't happen, life should be different, you know, I expect something, I want something, I have the right to think that it should be, you know, all these versions, they dropped. And now what was there was compassion, or maybe equanimity, Equilibrium. Oh, it's exactly like this right now. And there was freedom in pain. And so the bubble got burst, the mirage dissipated, the banana tree was seen through, you know, the emptiness of the the formation. And this is this is quite. Uh, it's it's uh, subtle, 
and uh, but deep because it goes to the essence of the Buddhist teaching about the kind of uh, mistaken identity, mistaken ownership that this is happening to moi, you know, and that's not good, you know, and that view suddenly, which is so ingrained the whole culture since we're born, you know, it's been reinforced, reinforced, and good, good that it was, you know, so we have, you know, clear, maybe somewhat healthy egos, you know, but here we're actually pushing a little bit further the exploration, you know, and that this understanding happens only at the level of meditation. It doesn't happen at the level of uh, thinking or information. Receiving information about this is not that helpful. It might maybe, you know, inspire for research and this, but it's not the actual experience. Reflection also is not. This is touched by a non-conceptual mind that feels, feels, and then suddenly uh, wrong view is removed. So that's, uh, you know, this teaching maybe is uh, about anatta, not personal, you know. The insight could be around ephemerality. I talk a lot about this, as uh, in this uh, story or poem of uh, one, or I think there's several of the nuns at the time of the Buddha who, who tell that the, the same, a similar story, uh, where they say, all day I walked, I sat, as I was instructed, all day, no wisdom gain, no, none. Do you recognize something <laughs> in that experience? All day I sat, walked, sat, walked, no wisdom gained at all. At night, blowing the candle, everything understood. Things are transient, uh, fl- flickering, fluctuating, vanishing appearances. You know. So that's the, the insight, and in this case, uh, with the flame and the everything understood, you kind of highlighted the <coughs> inferential nature of insight. It means the quality of the presence is not on everything, is on the flame. But the blowing, the seeing, the passing of the flame, the flame was, so existed at the moment where existed, and once it's blown, it so doesn't exist. Do you recognize this in your life? That something exists, like when you were, I don't know, a teenager, so existed. Where is that? So strange. You know, us eating soup earlier, so existed. And now, no trace left. And so the inferential nature is that with the candle blowing and the quality of the awareness, suddenly it's inferential, it spreads to everything. Suddenly we understand it's not just the flame that's going to go out, 
it's the other, it's the emotions, it's the, it's this one. Everything's going to disappear. It's, uh, it's there now, but mirage-like. You know, it's really, really there. And at some point, really won't be there at all. And so I don't know. For me, it gets me, uh, makes me want to be very attentive, to really feel what is there, to become aware of all the presence, and later the absence. And that's the instruction of the Buddha. Notice the presence of, notice the absence of. You know, big rush of I don't know what. You know comes in your mind, anger towards this, that could have happened. Ah, I can't believe this could have happened. <laughs> you know? Wow, there he starts. A few minutes later, oh. That was a illusion, appearance. Appearance, the appearance nature of things. And so here we come to clarify this, see the birth of worlds, impressions, uh, sensations, visions, perceptions. And we stay around, we stay attentive, so we get to see whoops, the transformation, the fluctuation, and how things belong more to circumstances than they belong to anyone, meaning, you know, moi. You know? And so this is a very kind of delicate thing to discover. It's, it's, it's hidden by our superficial attention, our, our preconceived ideas. But just put a little attention there, a little quietness, a little letting go of the preconceived ideas, and it becomes really clear that events, any event, is circumstantial. You know? This anger arises suddenly because of the circumstances. I remember one time I was really stuck by this. I was on a retreat. It was a, I think it was a two-month retreat. It was a few weeks in for sure, and the mind was really, really quiet. And uh, I was sitting in the in the dining hall, like everybody had, we had eaten, everybody had left, and I was still sitting there, like listening to the burst of clicking, you know, and the life, and then suddenly the people sweeping, and you know, my eyes were closed, but there was like suddenly few, you know, hundred human beings, suddenly like four human beings, suddenly zero human beings no more noise, and suddenly the noise of the evening coming, and I was just tracking the fluctuations in the field, you know, and maybe in the field here. And, um, and I heard the bell for the sitting, and I stood up to go towards the sitting hall, and uh, I was about to go on the left of a big table, serving table, I was about to go on the left of the table, and uh, there somebody came in this way. So I went on the right of the table. It was a very small little change. Huh? Uh, but it was circumstantial. Huh? The, a person being there made me choose to go right. Hmm? And as I went right, uh, I saw the fridge. 
And I knew that at that time, I think, you know, I remembered that seeing the fridge, conditional, if I had gone on the other side, it would not have happened. Seeing the fridge, I thought, oh, it's at the end of the dinner that they put goodies for the evening in there. So greed appeared, you know, seeing the fridge, thinking, oh, there might be a little sweet for tonight that they put here in the center. You know, so I opened the fridge door. And the sweets or the, the the things were not there, but there was somebody. So there was a, on the retreat. There was probably ninety six, ninety seven people at that retreat center. I know the numbers well. Um, and there was a, a fridge with maybe five shelves, and somebody had claimed with a you know like a, what we put on our uh, tape, you know that we put on our cups. <laughs> somebody had claimed a whole shelf for themselves. You know it was written the name, you know, with things there. And suddenly I got so angry at the unfairness of somebody, you know, and my whole being suddenly got like self-righteous and I can't believe that they claim a whole shelf and who do they think they are, you know. And, and, and right in that moment, because of prior moments of attention, you know, sati, mindfulness, uh, it had been, you know, the seeds have, had been planted, suddenly I woke up, you know, to the banana production. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I saw, and what was revealed to me was the uh, dependent nature of the anger. The anger dependent on somebody walking on the left, dependent on the fridge, dependent on opening the, on greed arising in the mind. And, and it, um, now I'm putting it in words, but it was a kind of a flash that that extremely strong anger was the weakest thing ever. It depended on somebody walking on the left side of a table. You know, how dependent is that? You know? Do you see what I mean? And suddenly I was all self-righteous in this and I could see this is totally depending on a series of circumstances. How strange that I would actually adhere to this you know, cherish this and buy into this. It's the lightest thing ever. It depends on a series of circumstances that are totally non-eventful, you know. And so then and there, I could decide, what are you going to do with this, Pascal? You know, how are you going to hold this? You know? Are you going to aggravate your, you know, the next three weeks <laughs> around <laughs> this, you know? Or there's a choice point here, you know. And so here there was a choice to actually maybe care for this being that was troubled. Was it, you know... Anyway, I'll stop there. About this. <laughs> but the kind of empty nature of this and, and dependent nature of this. I'll, I'll bring another story in around this. So this is more, a little bit more dramatic here. So a few years ago, my father is... Um, in the winter he loves to go uh, on skidoo with his friends. And so they organized trips. And there was a trip that they organized. They said, let's meet Saturday morning at that area, you know, and we'll go do a long loop of the day, you know, I don't know, a few hundreds of kilometers of in the woods, you know. And uh, so we'll go this way and we'll come back this way. And so they met uh, and they all probably removed their helmet and they say, hey, yeah. Uh, Okay, everybody's there. Let's go. We're going this way, as we said. And just as my father tells the story like this, he was deeply, deeply, deeply touched by this. He was 
shaken by this, uh, deeply touched by this, and he, he, tell, he told the story many times. He said, and then we were just about to go, and it was planned, and this was all, and somebody said, hey, there's a place where we can stop for breakfast, but we would have to go on the other side of the loop, you know? It's really good breakfast. And he said, the engines, you know, like, it could have easily been not heard, and the, it would have been as planned, but everybody probably went like, oh yeah, <laughs> breakfast, going to be good, or oh, let, let me decide, whatever came through mind, but they went on the, on the right. And on the right, there was an accident a little further away that just had happened, and they actually ran in the accident, and my father lost his best friend oh, God. there, because, you know, and my father kept going back to the... Mm. He kept, like, that moment, like, we were supposed to go left. Mm. And that idea of eggs, that kind of slipped in a second later, it would not have been... And, and then my friend died. Like, how... This death is sitting on something so incredibly light and dependable and uh, and I thought you know what hearing my my father tell the story yeah you're touching on the ephemeral mirage like so you know nature of life it's exactly like this you know who will get sick and who will not get sick there's millions of little it will need one of the little element to make it go this way and so to me that's extremely touching wow this is the nature of reality we're in it depends on things like this would you have built a, a life like that no you would say like let's Make it depend on things that are important, and you know. No, it's it's like that, changing like that. Oops, it can curve like this just because of you know. You know, you put the iceberg a few feet away, and you know you never get the film. <laughs> <laughs> the film Titanic. Oh. <laughs> So here we sit and actually we expose ourselves to this. Look at that. Yeah. You know, look at that. There was these circumstances and this is what arises. You know, this person moved this way or changed this way and suddenly I'm all worked up in this way or I have this opinion or this vision of myself as worse than or better than. It's just depended on the sound. You know? And so to know this can be extremely freeing. Oh, that's how, in a way, light things are, you know, uh, conditional. uh, And so, this life here, you know, circumstances will be such that, whoops, it will reveal its nature of not being a solid self, which I may be bought into as a concept or idea. It's me, intrinsic, essential, Pascal, you know. 
But here we might be exposing ourselves to discover the eventful nature of this arising. The circumstances were such that this is happening. And when the circumstances change, this will not be happening anymore. It will be happening differently. You know? And so here there will be well-being, and a few moments later there will be heartbreak, you know, because the story of the universe is unfolding. You know, Titnathan says it beautifully with the piece of paper. I don't know if you've heard him present this. He takes a sheet of paper and he says, this needs the Big Bang. It needs the whole story of the universe to happen. It depends on millions and millions of things to have happened. You know, it doesn't exist by itself separately. It's an expression of the unfolding. Mm -hmm. It's an event in the unfolding, you know. And so this to be happening now needed the meeting of the two parents, you know, and it needed the whole story of the universe. And can we control the universe? <laughs> the meteorology? The no, we can't. And so here we're becoming more intimate with this, you know. Through anything that happened, the, 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 at the meal time, in the meeting, you know, somebody will say something, it will make you think of something, you understand something in this way, or you close down in this way, or you know. So we're so that's why we want to actually uh, become more quiet and attentive, because we want to dive under. Our preconceived ideas about me, the world, how it should be, how it is, you know, to discover really how it is. Maybe I'll finish with this. The deeply touching, also um, kind of revelation, insight that we'll gain and maybe it'll be uh, it'll be in one big awakening moment, but most of the time for human beings, practitioners, it's a slow um, revealing, you know, little many little insights. The, the way it's described is the the boat that is tied to the dock, and the rope of the boat is, um, you know, uh, what's the verb here? Frott, rubbing, yeah. So, thank you. So the rope of the tiding the boat to the duck is rubbing against the side of the duck, and it rubs and it rubs and it rubs, and at some point, and the boat is freed, you know, from being attached to wrong views. <laughs> I'm mixing the... So that's what happens here. We come here and we expose ourselves to the rea reality of nature, uncontrollable, un un unforeseeable, uh, you know, and slowly we are exposed, exposed, and, and at some point, boom, we understand there's, a, there's, a, there's the giving up of expectations, of demands, of, uh, and the heart can shine through. And so one of the aspects that is revealed 
is the uh, because of what I said, p- things being dependable, therefore unreliable, uh, ephemeral appearing and disappearing. It means that anything of this world, nothing of this world, can bring satisfaction. Cannot bring lasting, durable satisfaction. This world cannot provide that. It's known to be really good to be aware of this. You know? Because otherwise, you know, life is disappointing and we build resentment and expectations. But understanding deeply that there's not going to be satisfaction, uh, stability in the things of the world, uh, yeah, it's described as a, a way to free the heart from wrong view. And in this way we can meet the world as it is. I'm engaging in this and it's not going to be completely satisfying. It can't. Nor the relationship, nor the career, nor the... the whatever it is. It can't. Yet, I'm going to go there. But not with... uh, false view, false expectations. So let's sit for a few moments in silence and let uh, these words uh, dissolve. The way um, Ruth King puts it into uh, words, these, uh, you know, the unsatisfactory nature of things, the impossibility to own or identify fully with anything that is passing by, the ephemeral nature of things. The way she puts it into words, uh, Ruth King, she says, Honey, it's not perfect. It's not personal, and it's not permanent. Three P's of Ruth. We try to see if it can be okay that it's like that. 
in any moment. So this retreat here is liable to this, not perfect, not, uh, not permanent. In a way what we're experiencing is not that personal. Distress, joy, ache, well-being, the public domain, not personal. May we all find deep, lasting freedom in that recognition. Thank you for your uh, consideration, your listening. So now I can't exactly predict the future, but if things goes according to plan, in five minutes uh, there should be a meal served. Okay. So thank you very much.